right. Hello, hello, hello. Before. What episode are we recorded? On? We are being recorded, yes. <laughs> I know, it's been so long. <laughs> I know, we're, out, we're getting a bit rusty Is now, it episode 52? 52. Yeah, I know, it's been a while. It's been a long, long time. And I think it's actually been six months. Has it been six months? No, it was about April, it? May time, I think. Wow. I know. Yeah, so we've had a bit of a break, haven't we? <laughs> I've had a bit of a break, a bit of a hiatus. I like to say that it's it's more down to me than Sarah. I think I should point that out. But it's good to be back. It is good to be back. Nice to see you. I know. Did you have I, a beard before? I can't I remember. I think I did have a beard before, yeah. It's <laughs> probably supposed to hide my, my aging, which you can see now. But the last time we did this, yeah, like I say, back in April, May time, were we still locked down then? I don't even remember. No, I think we were. We were. Oh, we maybe. It? Because I remember we went to the cinema, didn't we? Watched A Quiet Place 2. And that was quite early on when the cinemas were opening up a bit more. That's right. So there's been quite a few films, obviously, that come out since, but we're in a bit of a strange place right now, aren't we? With the old, we are. Omic- with the old Omicron looming. But before we talk about the two films that we left everybody with in the last episode, which was Uncut Gems and Cruella, you mentioned there Quiet Place 2, didn't you? I did. And yeah, I quite enjoyed that. And I've actually watched it on DVD since I liked it that much, Rob. So the Abbots are back and the aliens are still around and we take it from before the aliens landed and then after John Krasinski's character dies. And Cillian Murphy is in this one as well. So it was quite a surprise to see him in that. And just all around jumpy and fast paced and it was a good blockbuster. It was, it was. I remember it for the opening scene or the build up, which like you say, rewound to the alien invasion in in the little town, which I thought was done so, so well. And then Kitty Murphy being in it and... Kids uh, are great as well. The kids are great. I think it just got to a point for me where it's just like, you know, where do they go with this? It's like, do you call it a franchise now? Is there going to be another one? It wouldn't surprise me that they do do a third one. So I, I really enjoyed it, but I thought the first half was better than the second half. But as a sequel, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And great to see Millicent Simmons and Noah Duke doing their bit. And they come up pretty strong at the end, let's just say. Like, Have you watched um, any others since then? Oh, I've watched loads. Last Night in Soho, King Richard, No Time to Die, House of Gucci, Power of the Dog, which I saw at the London Film Festival, which is out now. Also saw Don't Look Up. The new film with Jay Law and DiCaprio, Spielberg's West Side Story, and Spencer. So quite a few films over the last two or three months. I would say of all of those, my highlights probably would be Last Night in Soho, which is an Edgar Wright film. Mm-hmm. Anya Taylor-Joy, who was in Queen's Gambit. That's this dreamlike horror mm-hmm. drama. The fashion student who goes to London from Cornwall and when she goes to sleep, she gets transported back to the 1960s in Soho, where she is a voyeur to a character who is like a version of herself. It's like a kind of a fever dream, but I would really recommend it. If you're an Edgar Wright fan, it's a bit of a genre mashup, really good film. House of Gucci saw recently, which is just a lot of fun. Lady Gaga on form again after The Star is Born. Alongside Adam Driver, and you've got Jeremy Irons in that, and Al Pacino, Jarrett Leto doing a slightly over-the-top Italian character. I really liked it. Knew nothing about Gucci, so that was good fun. And King Richard, 
was a bit of a surprise for me, mm. which is the story of the uh, uh, Serena Williams and Venus Williams. That's the right. Williams sisters. That's right. But really told through the eyes of their father, played by Will Smith. And I'm not a huge Will Smith fan, but I must admit, I had no expectations of it. It got completely sucked in. It's a very conventional biopic, but I really liked it. Mm. And yeah, it's a West Side story with Spielberg, which I don't think he did anything particularly adventurous with in terms of remake, but a very, very good reboot should we say stars Ansel Elgort who you'll know from the Divergent Insurgent all that kind of lot <laughs> series <laughs> and then the and then the only other one I'd say that's worth watching would be Don't Look Up the new film with Jennifer Lawrence and DiCaprio also has Jonah Hill Meryl Streep Timothy him the guy was in uh-huh. June another film yep. actually that saw this is a satire comedy about two low-level astronomers who did detect a comet that's guaranteed to hit the earth in six months time mm-hmm. they go to tell the president meryl streep and her chief of staff sons jonah hill who pretty much just laugh them out of the room and the whole film is basically about these two people trying to convince the world and the media that this really is going to happen and yeah it's just really kind of goofball satire and yeah they're really good really good fun so that's very very quickly things that i've seen recently have you not watched ghostbusters afterlife no i thought well, i know you have <gasps> Um, yeah. I, haven't managed, I haven't managed to squeeze that in. So what was that like? So directed by Jason Reitman. And I think it was Ivan Reitman. His dad, I believe, directed the first Ghostbusters. So it was okay. Lots of nostalgia and had that Stranger Things kind of feel about it. Paul Rudd, Finn Wolfhard, Carrie Croon, who you may have seen as Proxima, Midnight in Avengers and Gone Girl as well. McKenna Grace from The Handmaid's Town and I, Tonya. Uh, it was it was good fun. To be honest, I like the ending the, the most because it brought back some of the old characters like Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson as well. And of course, Gorney Weaver. And I don't know how it could have been improved, to be honest. It's a little bit cheesy, fairly good special effects. Obviously projected into the future after, obviously, the first Ghostbusters. I couldn't work out what, which year it was in. It probably did say which year it was in, but it was all right. And then also No Time to Die I've watched as well. I think a lot of people have watched that. Bond. Can we talk? What? Can we talk about the end of Bond? Do you think? Can we talk about the ending? Well, I was going to say, I think it gives way, doesn't it? For a oh, okay, seven, doesn't well, it? Unless we can like give a, maybe at the end, we can give a warning, and then we can just talk about. I don't think that's giving away too much, does it? I'm not saying that uh, that's anyone dies or anything. Well, you think it's fine to talk about the ending? No, no. I think it gives way for a female double A seven. Oh, so hang on, we are now talking about what happens in the film, are we? <laughs> You've just, this is what I'm saying. I don't know whether, I don't know whether, I mean, it's a massive. You can then obviously edit this bit out. But but the the thing is, if people haven't seen it, then it's obviously a huge spoiler, Uh, but surely most people have seen it by now. I think most people have seen it. I I just think it gives way for a a change of a 007 anyway. Should we go on to the movies that we're supposed to be reviewing? Uncut Um, Gems. Uncut Gems, because this is quite a long time ago. Probably not going to give it a thorough, thorough review. Directed by the Safdie brothers, this film was released in 2019. It's set in 2012 in New York, starring Adam Sandler, who's this fast-talking jeweler 
who comes into possession of a opal that was mined in Africa that he is convinced is going to make him a fortune when he sells it at the local auction. But this plan of his gets completely disrupted when a basketball player comes into his shop and is distracted by this gemstone and decides he wants to take it as a way of bringing him good luck for the matches he plays. This player is Kevin Garnett, who plays himself. He plays for the Boston Celtics. So he allows him to take it. Um, In the meantime, Adam Sandler's character, who's called Howard, he's in debt to various people who were after him. So he's busy pawning watches and basically trying to get the money together to pay back these people on his tail, which he hopes the Opal is going to do for him. He's separated from his wife and they have two kids. And this thing is going to sort his entire life out. And he's all through the film. Just when you think all he has to do is put this thing on the market and it's done, there's lots and lots of obstacles that get in the way. And these two filmmakers, the Safdie brothers, I didn't know anything about them before this film, but they're known for making these indie heavy dialogue films with loads of uh, energy, kinetic energy is how they're often described in terms mm. of what they bring to their films. Um, Sounds like Pulp Fiction. Kind of, yeah, but much, much more intense. So okay. they're very, very good. I mean, Adam Sandler is is in almost every single frame of this. And it's nonstop. And because it's nonstop dialogue, that, I mean, yes, there's light relief in it and there's drama in it, but but it's just tension, tension, tension that they slowly mm. ratchet up and ratchet up and ratchet up and ratchet up. And it all comes down to this huge bet that he decides he's going to put down on this one Boston Celtics game. And if this bet comes off, you know, so many different bets have to come in for this one single game for him to win this immense amount of money. And it's this incredibly, um, yeah, just this incredibly kind of tense film that ratches up all the way to this incredible finale. Adam Sandler obviously is not known for these. Apart from Punch Drunk Love, obviously Adam Sandler is not known for this dramatic role, a serious actor. Obviously he's more known for his comedy and his rom-coms. But this just proves given the right material and his commitment, just how good he is. A lot of people thought he should have won an Oscar for this portrayal and a lot of people quite disappointed. I would definitely recommend people watch it because you'll never see Adam Sandler Sandler in a role like this Uh. it has as I say this incredible unique energy that I don't think you see by other filmmakers there's this incredible soundtrack almost like synth like 80s soundtrack which goes with this which every, every time you almost feel like you need a breather because the tension is so high this soundtrack this soothing synth 80s soundtrack somehow brings you back down again before you almost then go again. It's really, really effective. It's a really, really interesting film. So I would highly recommend people give it a go. Cool. Are you going to give it a rating? Yeah, I should. So I would give this film... I I, I would give this film 9 out of 10. Okay. I have to be honest, Adam Sandler is not one of my favourite actors because he frustrates me when I've seen him in The Wedding Singer, Happy Gilmore, Bedtime Stories, etc. He always plays a sort of goofy character, doesn't he? But with a heart at the same time. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I haven't watched it, but I will will see it. He's an infuriating character, mm. but importantly, there is a heart there. Right. So, okay. So um, it's playing the same character but with a bit more grit, is that it? Oh a lot more grit. 
I mean, right, it's, okay. it, at, at times it's like watching like a Scorsese film. I, as I say, give it a go. Cool. Cruella. Cruella. Cruella de Vil, Cruella de <laughs> Anyway, uh, released in this year. In fact, it's 2021. And it's a 12A on Disney Plus and probably elsewhere, I would have thought now, because it's uh, released about six months ago, I would have thought now. Cruella or Estella in her teenage years, played by Emma Stone. The Baroness was played by Emma Thompson. And we got Cruella's sidekicks, Jasper and Horace, played by Joe Fry and Paul Walter Hauser. And Mark Strong appears in it as well as the as John the Valet to the Baroness. It's directed by Craig Gillespie, who previously directed Itonia, The Finest Hour and The Million Dollar Arm. So it's very gritty, I have to say, this film and very stylized. But it's part of the series, really, where Disney are recreating their animations into real motion pictures. But this one is the backstory, really, of Cruella Deville from the Disney animation of 101 Dalmatians. It's very stylized, almost in line with the Joker and Batman, I would say. And it's, it's got that real edgy feel with some fantastic music. And I'll run through that, some of the soundtracks on there in a minute. We follow Estella after her mother tragically falls from a cliff at a posh mansion. I'm going to leave it as that one. And she becomes an orphan. She fends for herself and comes across Jasper and Horace as they break into a loft apartment in London where she's living and then Estelle helps the boys with their petty crimes and but her heart actually lies with fashion world of fashion and designing so Estella who has this natural flair for fashion and design works in a department store under a mean boss who works the Baroness who owns the store and her creativity is detected after a redressing of a window display one, one evening now the Baroness then takes Estella on as apprentice and they work very closely together and then slowly Estella works out that her mother's accident may not be an accident after all dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right for me I love Emma Stone Emma Thompson both very strong female leading ladies we saw a very different character of Emma Stone I think in this film it's probably in line with actually her character in The Favourite which is not one of my favourite films but it's quite gritty her character in this but I can imagine both actors had great fun with this because it's just so colourful intricate costumes had to be well spoken English ladies plus the London scene was very strong throughout as well and I can see that actually Emma Stone is in Cruella 2 that's being produced right now, or being filmed right now. I would say it's also a much harder character for Emma Thompson. She normally plays a softer character like uh, Eleanor Dashwood from Sense of Sensibility, Karen and Love Actually, and, and the crazy bonkers Petra from Last Christmas uh, as examples. And this was a much stronger role for her and quite horrible lady. And what's really interesting, she's going on to an even worse lady in her next film, which is Miss Trunchbull in Matilda. They're obviously remaking Matilda. I don't know why they need to remake Matilda, but they are. And then Jasper, who's played by Joel Fry, you're seeing a lot more of him as well. He was in Game of Thrones and we're going to talk about the boy called Christmas in a minute and he's also in that. But I, I really liked it. It's very different. It's great to see the sort of backstory of how she became so evil, this Cruella de Vil. And the music, as I mentioned, was was great. It's you got Call Me Cruella, which is by Florence Machines. You've got the Bee Gees, you've got Super Tramp, you've got the, the Doors, Tina Turner, Queen, The Clash, Should I Stay or Should I Go Now was in there, Blondie and, and Nina Simone. So the soundtrack was brilliant. 
I really enjoyed it. I know that you've watched it recently, Rob, as well. I don't know whether you want to say a couple of words. I was really pleasantly surprised. This was one that I watched with my youngest daughter, actually, who's eight years old, and she was absolutely hooked by it. And I thought it had just that right level of family comedy drama, but like you say, with that all-important bit of grit and style yeah. that I thought was executed so, so well. You know, like you say, you, you just said it then, referring to another film, like why they, uh, like referring to Matilda, why do they have to make this film didn't need to be made. We don't need to see this. And so I think I kind of went into it thinking, oh, okay, here we go. I know, I knew it was like an origin story. But I was just, I just thought it was really, really entertaining. I thought Emma yeah. Stone was great. I thought Emma Thompson was great. It had a great little twist and a nice plot with the the family theme that you touched on there, which I just thought was hugely satisfying, worked really well. The costumes and the fashion and the cheekiness. It was just really, really good. I was really, really quite surprised at how much I liked it. Mm, um, and good. my daughter was raving about it afterwards. It was one of the best yeah. she'd, she'd ever seen. I'm hoping it'll get something like best costume or, or well, makeup you know and things like that. The Golden Globes have their nominations now, and Emma, yeah. Stone, Emma Stone's been given a, a nomination for her performance in this. Good. And I should think is well deserved. Yeah. Yeah, really, really good. So, what you what yeah. would you give it? I'm going to give it eight and a half out of ten. I think I like the fact that Disney have been doing some live action movies based on the animations but this one is a little bit different as you mentioned and this has not been covered in an animation previously so I think it was a good move and and I'm glad they didn't repeat a live action version of the 101 Dalmatians I think because also they've done it haven't they with years and years ago so nice that they came up with something a little bit different fresh and and as I said it's got that slight Joker Batman-ish style but sort of toned down a lot bit for a family audience. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would give it eight and a half as well. Cool. Great. So good films to watch there and throwing in an extra one, haven't we? Because it's Christmas. Boy Called Christmas, the adaptation from Matt Haig's book. Now, I have to confess, I didn't get the chance to see this one with my children. I know you did. And at the end of the day... I think these are the kind of films where you need to get the opinion of children because it's primarily primarily targeted at them, even though obviously it's a family film. And you did watch it with your children, didn't you? I did watch it with children. In fact, the whole family sat down and watched it because we wanted to get in that Christmassy mood. And then COVID struck us, unfortunately. So the Paul household is split at the moment. Half of it's got COVID, half hasn't. So we managed to escape it anyway, so far, touch wood. But yeah, no, Boy Christmas is the film that we've watched, released recently. However, it was filmed before COVID in 2019. I think it was was pretty much ready to go, uh, but they've held on to it really. It's really strange because because it was filmed earlier and a couple of years back, I actually watched the BBC Breakfast News with the lad that was in this film. He's like a teenager now. It was so <laughs> bizarre seeing him on, on Breakfast News to how he is in the film. He's a you know, sweet little lad, gingerhead lad. Anyway, it's directed in the screenplay by Gil Keenan, uh, who is actually the director of Ghostbusters Afterlife, Poltergeist and Monster House. However, they are scary. This is not scary. It's more of a fantasy 
fantasy film. The film starts with Dad, which Joel Fry, again, who was in Cruella, and he's got three small children and Aunt Ruth on uh, the mother's side, played by Dame Maggie Smith, comes to babysit the children whilst Dad needs to go out. I think he goes out for work. Our works do, to my understanding. Unfortunately, though, the children's mum had recently passed away, so there was that sort of sadness around. The children ask, however, for a bedtime story, which uh, Aunt Ruth obliges in a sort of funny, reluctant comedy way. And the story starts a bit bleak, however, as well, with Nicholas, played by Henry Lawful, whose mum has also passed away as a young child. And he's raised by his dad, who's played by Michael Hoosman. And they live in this Finnish woodlands, a wooden hut in the middle of nowhere, really. However, in order for the family not to be so poor, his dad takes on a challenge ordered by the king, played by the fantastic Jim Broadbent, and which means his dad needs to go away and travel and, and do this duty to bring in some money for the family. And Nicholas needs to stay home. So now Nicholas is looked after by his dad's sister, Aunt Carlotta. Now, it took me ages to work out. I could recognise who Aunt Carlotta was. Do you know who Aunt Carlotta was? No, it 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 really bugged me. I think at the time I was thinking I've got to find this out right now whilst I was watching it, but for mm. some reason I didn't, and I so I don't think I ever actually followed up. But it did bug me because I thought I'm, I I couldn't quite work it out. Kristen Wiig. No. Yes, with warts and everything, she looked completely different. Kristen Wiig from um, oh, Bridesmaids. Yeah. Bridesmaids and yeah. and when Wonder Woman. And she was pretty before. mean as well. Didn't like children at all. So Nicholas runs away with his pet mouse called Miko. Milka? Mika. Mika. <laughs> Mika. Rob and I have been trying to get this name correct, by the way. <laughs> Mika, played by Stephen Merchant, to find his dad. So we follow Nicholas on his mission to find his dad, and he discovers what the king's quest was all along as he goes on his adventure and involves a village of elves. I'm going to leave it as that. But really, it's a story about Father Christmas's early years. And I really liked it. And I love I love the fact that Kristen Wiig was in it and completely different character. Had an English accent as well, didn't she? Dame Maggie Smith, Stephen Merchant, Drew Broadbend were excellent. And they even had Toby Jones as, a, as a, the elf father, Topo, I think his name is, and or Topo. And it was just, it was just nice and warm and colourful. And it's just what you need in a Christmas movie, I felt. And what I, was, I liked about it, it wasn't, I thought, oh, here we go. We're going to be watching something a bit like Christmas Carol, like an old traditional sort of style film. But it was that fantasy and the, the magic that came into play with it, I thought was, was really nice. And I found it highly entertaining. The kids loved it. And actually, I wouldn't mind watching it again, to be honest. But I don't know. What, what did you think? I liked it. My only, but again, it's not, I know it's not really for me. I feel like it would have been better to watch it if I could, as I say, with the kids. I found this, some of the effects not amazing, like the CGI. I mean, it was released on Sky Cinema, wasn't it? So I kind of felt like that let it down a little bit. And the other thing that slightly got to me was I felt that the mouse, although yeah. a great character, I just felt like we were just listening to Stephen Merchant doing comedy. 
you know, we all know it's Stephen Merchant. He has such a unique sense of humour that I just felt it was the Stephen Merchant and a mouse, as opposed to just thinking about it as a mouse character. I mean, these are minor quibbles. But apart from that, I thought, as you say, it's just the kind of film you're wanting to watch in the build-up to Christmas, the family. Then you don't get them that often. You, you oh. tend to get the big glossy films and every mm-hmm. now and again you get a classic, maybe like a Love Actually or The Holiday, all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. there's always room for these types of films and it was a very very sweet sweet tale yeah so i'm gonna give it eight out of ten i I liked it and my kids really liked it and and in fact we liked it as a family so eight out of ten for me well i'm gonna give it seven and a half only for what i said but like as a caveat that's me that's not me watching it as a family (laughs) (laughs) i don't want people to think that's a humbug humbug. (laughs) exactly <laughs> Excellent. Now we're going to are we going to introduce a new film that we're going to be reviewing for next time, or do yes. we carry on with the Christmas theme? Will we come well, back, back to it? Let's yeah, let's quickly introduce the new film. So yeah. we decided that the newbie is going to be a film that I think's been out for a couple of weeks. I haven't got around to watching it. It's getting some pretty good reviews. It's called Tick Tick Boom, starring mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield. And it's currently available to watch on Netflix. It's a biography, musical, on the cusp of his 30th birthday, a promising young theatre composer navigates love, friendship and the pressures of life as an artist in New York City. So we're going to hear Andrew Garfield sing. Which can be quite. I know, I know, and it's a true story. And yeah, as I say, I, I've I've seen this. Well, you know, like sometimes you're on Netflix. It's a bit like when you the TV series. You see all this stuff on Netflix. Oh, I must watch that. Well, that's really interesting. It's been mm. it's one of those types of films. And I did hear a few reviews of it that's got me very intrigued. So that's going to be the new film. Cool. Actually, I wanted to mention if you want to watch a really great Christmassy TV series right now, Hawkeye on Disney Plus is also really, really good with Germany. Ger- Germany? Who's Germany? With Jeremy Renner, Haley Steinfeld, who you may recognise for being in Bumblebee. Oh, and, that's her. Right, yeah, gotcha. gotcha. And gotcha. Vera Farmiga as well. She was in Godzilla and The Departed as well. And it's it's also mid-series. Florence Pugh pops up as Yelena Balova. Oh, that's Black Widow's sister, isn't it? It is Black Widow's sister. Very good. So former Avenger Clint Barton is in New York with his family, taking a trip there. And his mission is to get back home for Christmas and join his children and his wife. However, Kate Bishop, who's also an archer and dreams of being a a superhero scuppers his plans and they both get into trouble with the red tracksuit gang which is <laughs> it sounds really dodgy but it sounds really weird but it's it's really good i think the special effects are great and the humor and i just like the connection between jeremy renner and Haley seinfeld because they just work really well so that's a thumbs up for me as well but let's go on to the christmas movie now i've got three that i am planning to watch and one of them actually i have watched already so how how are we going to do this? Do you want me to, to list the three that I'm going to watch for this Christmas period and then give you the top one from IMDb or do you want to pick one? Give give me your three. And then okay. I think it will be interesting for all of us to then so hear of, what IMDb rate is the highest. Uh, Let's watch that okay. one. So we've got, firstly, The Holiday, the one I've watched and I don't mind watching again. In 2006, uh, it's one of the favourites for Mr. Paul and me to watch. And great star cast with Jude Law, Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, Jack Black, Ed Burns and Eli Wallach. Very sweet moments and I would say 
some of these actors are in their prime in this film as well. So one of the favourites and my favourite scene is Mr. Napkinhead, of course, with, uh, with Jude Law in that scene. The next one is Home Alone, 1990. Looking forward to, to seeing that again. Chris Columbus directed and obviously with Macaulay Culkin. Do you know what I've been calling him all these years? Macaulay what? McCulkin. Macaulay McCulkin. <laughs> McCulkin. And I realised actually I've been saying double, it wrong all these double, years. Double Mac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A big Mac, please. No, double, what's it called? A double, is there a double burger? There isn't, is there? No. There's a, there's a double cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> There is a double cheeseburger. <laughs> I was probably thinking, what has she been smoking, for goodness sake? <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Macaulay Culkin, Jay Pesci, Daniel Stern, great John Hurd, Catherine O'Hara and John Candy, of course, as well, in this, in his purple patch. And yeah, I'm not going to give you a synopsis. So it's, it's, a, it's a great film. And one for, again, for all the family. And my last choice mm. is Die Hard in Ugh. 1988. Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. So this is NYPD. John McClane goes to visit his wife, Holly McClane, during her Christmas party. And then some terrorists decide to take over because it went a bit money and take hostage of the employees there apart from john escapes and tries to save the day is i still that, think die hard 2 is the best but you? that's really yeah i do but imdb disagrees with me yeah oh, so do. which do you think firstly out of these three has got the highest rating on imdb no looking i'm not gonna look oh i mean it's quite a strong lineup isn't it the I, holiday home alone and die hard okay so i think it would be between home alone and die hard okay. straight away i'm taking the holiday out of it great film but i don't think it'll be up there so oh, home alone die hard I think just purely on the basis that Die Hard has that classic element of being a thriller, which is also a Christmas film. And it's, I mean, I... It's just a classic full stop, regardless of whether it's a Christmas film or not. So I would say Die Hard has to be number one. Are you correct? I don't know, am I? The Holiday, 6.9 on IMDb. Ooh. Home Alone, 7.6 on IMDb. Ooh. Die Hard with 8.2 on IMDb. We won't say the last bit. No, absolutely not. Um, it's a family show. Exactly. So, exactly. so awesome. Die Hard and Tick Tock Boom. Tick Tock Boom. Tick Tick Boom. Tick Tock Boom. Tick Tock Boom. Just say down with the kids. It's like with this, this Tick Tock. But it's Die Hard, isn't it? Is there a version on TikTok as well? There probably is. <laughs> TikTok, <boom. laughs> oh, uh, A bit like meta, hey? So, how's your Christmas shaping up, Sarah? Hopefully, oh. you're going to have a COVID-free house by the time you actually get Hopefully, to Christmas Day. fingers crossed, yes. I've got lots of presents to wrap and I'm surrounded by presents as I'm sitting and talking, talking to you. Yeah, it's going to be a quiet one. Just our immediate family, but it'll be nice. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to Christmas and just chilling out. What about you? Yeah, it's going to be a pretty quiet one day or so with the extended family, which will be nice. Apart from that, yeah, I'm just hoping and praying that nothing gets interrupted and nobody has to shut the doors, self-isolate over. I know, I know, I know. Anyway. Yeah, but anyway, let's... Let's end on a high note. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) On a more cheery note. So we're back, yes. We are back. It's been way too long. So we're going to be back in the new year, aren't we? We are coming back in the new year. 
So the plan is to release fortnightly, isn't it, Rob? It is, every two weeks. Just makes it slightly easier. Hopefully we won't have another six months <laughs> off. But yeah, with work and lots of other stuff, sometimes it's tricky to turn these things around. So we're going to go for, yeah, once a fortnight. But looking forward to a brand new year. Yeah, looking forward to the next two films anyway. I won't say TikTok, boom, tick, tick, boom. And Die Hard. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook and TikTok. <laughs> What are you doing on TikTok? That's what I want to know. You really don't. <laughs> little dance. I can't start talking about TikTok, so I don't want to talk about it. To be honest now, neither do I. Anyway. Right. Well, have a fantastic Christmas to and all you. of the family and yeah. uh, everyone out there. Have a good one. Stay safe. And we will see you in 2022. <gasps> well, Gosh. we won't see you. We'll, you'll hear us. Hear us. Yeah. <laughs> Just just to clarify. We're, we're getting a bit, a bit rusty, aren't we, Rob? We are, aren't we? We might be a bit better next time. Yes. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, everyone. Bye. Bye.